Well, welcome to Trials and Triumphs, and I just want to thank uh, Axe Media Group for helping us to do this. And if anyone's interested in helping out with supporting the program, please uh, uh, make your donations to Axe Media Group. And if you're a business, uh, they can help you out with some advertising. And just want to thank you for your support. I'm, I'm here today with uh, Dennis Code, and uh, he's doing a lot of work in the Springfield area and uh, surrounding area with uh, homeless ministry. And, just want to kind of take a look at uh, his history and, and some of the background and where you came from and um, share with individuals some of the trials you faced in your life and, and some of the triumphs that God's brought you through. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, when you came to know the Lord? Uh, you were in uh, a very dark place at that time, as I understand it. When I came to know the Lord, it was um, May 2008. At that time, I was just about to give up on life. I mean, I had no hope left. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. I really didn't know who Jesus was. Not the true Jesus. I knew what the velvet God looked like before on the wall, but I didn't know who the true Jesus was. I was diagnosed with both bipolar, schizophrenia, post-traumatic stress, and asthmatic depressive. Had a 30 out sex gun in my mouth, pulled the trigger, and it misfired. Then my mother came to me and told me about this man on TV that he'd got some great teachings, and she thinks that, that his teachings may save my life. His name was Andrew Womack. He was teaching on God wants you well. And I got in the beginning of that teaching. And by the end of that teaching, I was on fire. He told me to lay hands on myself and command all of that illnesses to leave. In a half a second, everything left me. The Holy Spirit hit me. He zapped me, put me on the floor. I jumped up, threw all my medication away which I don't suggest everybody to do that, but at that time, that's what I heard, and I knew that I was healed. My faith was in the Holy Spirit, and I threw all my medication away, took the aluminum foils off the windows, and started living life. Praise the Lord. Um, now, you were, you were married at the time. What did your wife think about all that? Well, she thought, she thought I was just plumb nuts, just plumb crazy. So you went from crazy to crazy. I went more crazy. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, it took a while for her to turn around and, and understand what was going on here. She started watching me and, and seeing that it was true. But at the same time, my family was telling my wife that this is not going to last. That's how people with mental illnesses, they go off and, and, and they go even get crazier. But, you know, I am crazy. I'm crazy for Jesus Christ. Now, uh, as you got to, to know the Lord and uh, have that relationship with God the Father and Jesus was alive in your life and the Holy Spirit was working. Um, how did that uh, kind of change your, your thoughts and the, the things that you uh, dwelt on, thought about? Was your thought process changed in any way? It changed he totally. You know, I heard a bunch of people talking about fasting off this, fasting food, and this, that, and the other. Uh, before I got the Holy Spirit, I didn't have no religion in me. I was never a Christian and I was never religious. I was never nothing. So I was just in the world. But when the Holy Spirit came that night to me, May 2008, everything changed. I didn't even want to watch TV no more. I, to this day, it's been seven years, and I haven't watched a commercial in seven years. Wow. I didn't just fast off of food. I fasted off of um, um, porn. I fasted off of um, cigarettes. I fasted off of dope. I fasted off of drink. Everything that was keeping me miserable fell off of me that night. He took the desire away, the Holy Spirit, of everything that was evil in me 
took it, squeezed my heart, cleaned it up, and set me back down to the day I'm just still on fire for God. Praise the Lord. So if, if there was someone watching today and they're just, you know, they're in despair, they're, they've got a lot of uh, bondages in their life, addictions, you know, whether it's pornography or drugs, alcohol, things like that, uh, uh, what would you say to them today? Um, what, what would be the thing that would help them to find that freedom? Well, I know as far as me and as far as them too. First, they need to know the true nature of Jesus Christ. When I found out about this, Jesus Christ, he died on the cross. He got whipped on the whipping pole for what? Everything. Everything is everything. I don't care if it's addictions. I don't care if it's porn. I don't care if it's eating too many ding-dongs at night before you go to bed. The Holy Spirit is here for us, for anything that we need that lines up with the Bible. And he can take anything away from us that we don't need as in garbage. Now, have you seen this in other people's lives through your ministry? Yes, I have. The thing that I teach to the people on the street, I work with a lot with the homeless, the least of these, and people that just have lost hope, alcoholics, drug addicts. We have seen this in other people. The addiction completely leave them. We have seen family restorations, and we have seen, seen people get their life together and living for God and on fire, on fire for Jesus Christ. They just... It's just unbelievable when you teach the true gospel of Jesus what happens out there. Mm -hmm. Lives change. Absolutely. Because uh, God is all about life, isn't That's he? Right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, I know uh, one of the things that uh, seems to be driving you in your ministry is going to a lot of individuals that are hopeless and yeah. just in, in a lot of yeah. darkness. And I know in your life, um, that kind of hopelessness that you had began at a, at a fairly young age. Do you want to share anything on that? You know, I came from a small town, like 500 people in a small town in Arkansas. When I was 12 years old at the time, um, my family did not know Jesus. We never talked about God. There was no God in my house. So, um, and I started running around with older boys because, um, you know, the thrill of it. My dad didn't love me at that time. That's what they said. I don't know. So I didn't have a family life at home. And these boys told me if I had, if I wanted to be part of their game, I had to do certain things for them. So what these boys did for three days, they molested me. After they molested me, they went around telling everybody what happened, got back to my family, and that whole town kind of disowned me at that time. Mm -hmm. Now I'm telling you, I'm 12 years old, and the town was blaming this on me and not the 18-year-old boys that did it to me. Uh -huh. And um, I couldn't take it, so I went out in the woods, dug me a hole, five feet deep, five foot wide, and I put cane on top of it as a roof, and I dug me a whole tunnel, and that's where I stayed for a long time. And I made sure that everybody was sleeping in my house while I sneaked back in the house. That's when my homelessness started. Homelessness didn't mean to me that I don't have a home. Homeless to me is when I lost all hope. Mm -hmm. And at that time in my life, I lost all hope. Amen. Um, you know, is that, do you think, one of the things that uh, led you down the path to, to doing the drugs and alcohol for the uh, feelings? Uh, and How did that all come about? That's exactly it. I mean, I kept trying to drown that, that, that memory away, try to drown that guilt away. And no matter where I go, people were trying to make me feel more guiltier. My dad was a drinker, so I'd sneak his little long whiskey and put it in a little bitty bottle, and I'd put it out in the corn garden or potatoes, wherever it's at, and they'd tell me to go get 
to go to the garden and get some food, and I'd always go out there and, and drink my whiskey, drink his whiskey. So it came to like a tradition or whatever. I, that's where my whiskey would be, and I'd always tell my mother, let me go pick the corn, let me go do it. But all the time I was out there had my dad's whiskey. It went from there to pills to um, just anything, um, sniffing glue, sniffing gasoline, anything that I could do to, to, to skip reality, and I'd never want to be around nobody. So it was kind of a way to like deaden the feelings and things yes. like that? Yes. So now that you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, do you have any kind of feelings now? I have no kind of feelings of nothing like that no more. I know back in them days it was not me, and I am forgiven. And um, when Jesus looks at me, when, let me put it this way, when God looks at me, he sees Jesus. A third of me is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost. When God looks at me, he looks at Jesus. He don't look at my nasty skin. He don't look at what I've been through. He sees me as pure as Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, now, uh, another thing that uh, I know you uh, shared with me earlier was that um, there was a couple of times in your life where you basically drowned. And that did start early. After the, after the first time, was after the, the boys molested me, I broke into a cabin way out in the country, up in the hills, and I stole two pints of whiskey from the liquor store that some kids dared me to do. Then they dared me to drink it, and I drank both pints, and I fell in the road ditch, and it was wintertime, and I froze there in the road ditch, and they, when they found me, they said I was dead on arrival. But somehow, in a miraculous way, as you can see now, I'm living. Mm -hmm. See, God had a plan for me then, but I didn't know he had a plan for me. And the second time was 1991, I believe it was. I was going out on a lake and I wasn't going to work that day. I'd been, already been on a 10-day binge. We was on this little boat and um, we are drinking whiskey, me and another guy. And um, See, I didn't know the Holy Spirit then. Matter of fact, I didn't even know Jesus then. I had no idea. And I was going to get up and use the bathroom in the boat and I fell in the lake. And it was cold that day. The sun went out and I had boots on, had my clothes on, coats, and I started sinking. And as I was sinking, I could hear this little voice telling me, Dennis, no one loves you. No one cares about you. This would be the great time to let the air out of your lungs and just go ahead and sink to the bottom. It would make you happy. It would make everybody else happy that knows you. And I said, man, that is a great idea. So I started letting the air out of my lungs, and I was looking up, and I was just going down quick. But I was peaceful. That part I didn't understand. Why am I sinking and drowning and I feel so peaceful. As I was looking I seen this bright light and I knew it wasn't the sun and all of a sudden the next thing before I know it I was lifted up out of that water. I know people are hard to believe this story but praise <laughs> God he did it. He loved me that much. Picked me up out of that boat. I mean picked me up out of the water and set me in the boat. At this time, this other guy was drunk, and he was up front moving the water around, hollering my name, Dennis, Dennis, where are you? I said, I'm right here in the boat. So that freaked him out. He said, I'm getting you out of here. I can't be around you. I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. <laughs> Still at that time, I didn't put two and two together that this was God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. I had no idea that this, I was affiliated. Me being saved at that time, that was a God thing. Yeah. You look back at it now and you see how much oh, the yes. Father loved you. Oh, he loved me that much. was willing to rescue you from that situation. And 
Uh, I know a lot of individuals will go through various situations in their lives where they're going, how come I survived this? How come I was able to come to this point? Yeah. And, uh, you know, to know the Father's love is amazing and to know that, that He has a plan for your life, which is uh, uh, the things that you're doing now and in the next segment, we'll take a look at those things. But, um, you know, just one brief word to individuals about, you know, that there is a plan for their life. Sure is. And I tell people that out there all the time. And they, and they come up to me and think, well, no, God's mad at you. You don't understand God's mad at me. I said, no, he ain't. You can't even upset God. No matter what you do, you cannot upset God. He loves you that much. God is love. I mean, even if I think, if even if you looked at his big toe, it would just shine because it's got so much love. And um, so I see a lot of people delivered that way. When they get the true nature of God and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit, their lives change. Their lives change. Amen. Well, we're back with Dennis Code, and uh, he's going to share some more about uh, God's work in his life and the plan that uh, God has for him. But uh, before we get into to the work that you're doing now with the homeless and some of the things that you're doing, um, tell me a little bit about where you were at when you met the Lord. And uh, I know you had uh, like a week of uh, trauma in your life. Yeah. If you could share some of that. I would say it's probably one of the worst. It was the worst week in my life. Um, 19... Uh, 1981, I believe it was, 1980. I was in Wichita, Kansas. I'd done been on a bench. I mean, I was shooting up heroin. I was drinking whiskey. Um, had this girl, friend of mine, and we were talking about getting married. And um, But the thing about it was, she wanted to know this Jesus. So I thought, well, I'm going to show her the Jesus, you know, and I'm going to put it in a way that she don't want Jesus. So we was on my motorcycle. It was kind of cold, and we was riding. We was coming to this church. It was 26 steps up to that church. So I figured I'll show her. I rode my motorcycle up the church. The doors was open because church was fixing to start. And rode my motorcycle inside the church and did a donut and got off, got off the vehicle. I said, I'm going to show her. I'm going to show her. I thought, I thought it's me that they're going to come in here. They're going to run us off. But what they did, they came over there and loved us, just loved all over us. And I'm thinking, just something's going on here. What is going on? I mean, I was, I didn't know Jesus. So she got saved. I mean, I was too high that day to even even think about it. So we went back, and I went to the park, and we sat there and talked a little bit. And um, and she said, I really want to know this Jesus. And we started reading the Bible a little bit. But I said. Why don't we go out one more time? Why don't we get a fifth of whiskey and let's get us a couple of bags of heroin. Let's do this one more time and maybe I will think about doing it with you. We had no, she had no, uh, she had, didn't know that she had um, authority over Satan then. No one ever told her that. She just got saved. So we did that and I was going down a one-way street the wrong way and um, I was going to try to move away from that car. I was going about 50, and way I hear the cops telling that other car is doing 50. We hit that car head on, head on. She hit the grill, I hit the windshield, and started bouncing. I don't know how far I went down the road, but it took over 100 stitches in my face, plus the rest of my body was pretty much skinned up and bruised up. I crawled back to that car, and she was in the grill of the car. As soon as I grabbed her and drug her out of the the grill of the car, she died right there in my arms. And that's when I lost complete hope. That's when, I didn't know God, but that's when people told me, God's mad at you, God's going to do this to you, God's going to do this. 
and he's going to strike you dead. And, and um, not just other people, my family was telling me that. Mm. After all that I've been through, now people are still telling me that God is mad at you for having that automobile accident and killing my wife to be. Now, uh, let me interrupt you just for a second. And um, I'm wondering, there may be someone that's even watching today and, um, you know, they're hearing about Jesus and they maybe they've heard a little bit about God and they're thinking about making a commitment in their lives, but they're making that idea. They're saying, okay, well, maybe just one more time, one more joint, one more drink, one more binge to, to go down. What would you tell them? That's not God. That's indefinite. If you're hearing them voices up in your head, that is not of God. God is ready for anybody to repent and come to, hit, to get to know Jesus Christ more, to know the true nature of God. I would say, if, the, if you're already saved and know Jesus, then you have authority over Satan and get them voices out of your head. And if you're not saved and don't know Jesus, this might be the time that you go to Romans 10, 9 and accept Jesus Christ. Then uh, now there was another event uh, that had to do with uh, robbery, I believe, and uh, fire. That, that was all in around the same week of that. Um, I was so high, and I needed more money. I mean, I needed money to get it fixed, bad. So I went to this—I um, don't know if Seven Eleven or what it was. Um, I was going to go in and rob the store. I had my little gun, had my little pistol, and I pulled up my truck to the side of the store to kind of hide it. They used to be where they used to have telephone booths. I don't even think they have telephone booths no more. No. <laughs> so I went in the store, got my gun, robbed this woman, and put her in the, in the back in the ice box and locked her up back there. And I had the money, and I was going to get ready to leave. And um, some guy came out and said, did you just rob this store? So I pulled the gun on him, made him go to his apartment, and I changed clothes. I, I don't know why, but I just knew <laughs> the cops would be looking for her. I left my truck there, walked home, and at that same time, I went to my neighbor's house for some reason. I thought, well, they got some money or they got records or something that I could steal to make some money. So I went over and stole everything that I could out of my neighbor's house. And I said, no, wait a minute. I got my fingerprints everywhere in this house. So I got when he got my gasoline can and poured gas all up in the house while I was in it and struck a match. And I was so messed up and high, I barely could find a way out of that house. And I went into a blackout. I went home, passed out. Next thing I know, the um, fire department was knocking on my door. And uh, I told her it wasn't me. And I didn't think it was me, to tell you the truth. So then the next morning, I got up, looked in my pocket, had a wad of money, and I figured out that wad of money is from the store I just robbed. I looked outside and I but where's my truck? I thought, oh, then I put two and two together. So I had to use the same gas can that I burnt the house down, go to the same store and get some gas and pour it in my truck to drive away. And, and then uh, as, you, as you look back on, on some of these things that um, happened and some of the things you did, it's, um, it's interesting to see how one bad decision leads to another. It just, just, just keeps going like a big steel ball rolling down the hill. I mean, it just keeps going on and on and on and on. But it stopped. That ball stopped when I went in front of the judge. He said, I'm giving you 10 years in a Kansas State Penitentiary. Now, some people, that would make them feel real bad. At that time, a relief. Mm -hmm. I still didn't know Jesus. I didn't know God. But that was a relief. 
You felt uh, saved in some way. Yes, I did. Saved from yourself. I knew I wouldn't go be killing. I knew I wouldn't go be shooting people no more. I mean, shooting at people, not shooting people. I've heard that from other individuals that uh, had even gone to the point where they were going to be arrested, and when the police officers came, they were like, what took you so long? That's right. Um, and just that, that sense that they couldn't control themselves mm -hmm. and that they needed someone to, to kind of rescue them, even, even that. But... Uh, when it comes to what God does in rescuing us, it's it's so much more. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, see, everything that Satan thought was going to be bad in my life, God turned it to good. The Holy Spirit turned it to feet. You know, people don't understand that. They say, well, I've been through all of this. Well, you might have, but what you've been through is going to be able to help others. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I'm so good at helping other people that live in the streets, alcoholics, drug addicts, um, they come to me, they say, you don't understand. I said, stop right there. Yes, I do understand. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, if you can make it, I can make it. So that's kind of a, a lift up for them. You know, there's no way that I could do this on my own without the Holy Spirit. There's no way I can do anything in this life without Jesus Christ. He has taken my whole life, my whole past life, and pretty much erased it out of my mind. And I just think that is so awesome. Jesus Christ can do this to anybody. All he's waiting is for the person to make the step towards him. Yeah. And once you do that, hey. And this has led you to where you actually go out and you've walked in homeless camps, you've helped people yes. there, and I know that that's changed a lot. And uh, what's uh, happening now, I know the focus of your ministry is kind of changing a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that. The Holy Spirit is laid in our hands like a small campus. Have four apartments, um, a sanctuary, a uh, huge warehouse and a wood shop. So what we do now is help people get up. The people that want to be discipled, the people that want to know Jesus Christ, the people who want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, the people that want more out of life than what they're sitting in, we bring them out there and they live with us and we disciple them. We help them get jobs, help them get automobiles, and it's, it's just a blessing. But we still help the homeless too. Um, when we, our ministry helps anybody. I don't care if you're the least of these, the homeless people, the neighbors next door to too old to mow yard or, or anything. Um, wherever we go, we take the true nature of Jesus Christ. I like that because that really fits in with the, the ministry of Acts, which is, you know, serving where needed, you know. and That's exactly it. You know, it's, uh, it's neat to see someone that's willing to go out there and get their hands dirty and and get involved with people and I really like the vision you have for uh, working with some of the um, homeless veterans, individuals dealing with you know PTS and, and these types of things where you'd uh, maybe set up some houses for them yeah. and give them some land to work yeah. and, and just kind of uh, give them a, a purpose and help them, help them with that. We're wanting to build some cabins now, Dennis, and that's what we're working on now. The cabins I'm seeing it going to be from $5,000, $10,000, but to self-efficient. It's going to be solar energy. Um, compost, compost toilet, so, um, and put it out on some land like this. That land may be 10 acres, maybe five cabins on that. They're going to do the um, potatoes, corns, whatever. Another village will have um, for pigs, chickens, or whatever. The Holy Spirit has shown me this in my heart six years ago, and it's starting to come. I just, more funding will come when it comes time to build these cabins. I just know it. And we have the people to build them, we have the knowledge, we have the education. Um, it's just starting to lay, lay in place now. We've got to get these homeless veterans up, and then they're going to be able to help the other homeless people. 
And there's quite a few uh, veterans that are homeless in, in this time that we live in, isn't there? Yes, it is. Probably over 300 here in this town. Wow. Yeah, that's that's quite a few. And I know, um, you know, the way the, the government's working and various things like that, that um, just in the times that we're in, uh, being self-sufficient is very important and, you know, any anything to be productive. Um, that's right. And to, to produce food and, and areas like that is, is very important in the times that are coming and the times that we're in. So It's all about discipling people, having them get up. Amen. Well, I really appreciate you being here today, Dennis. Good to you. Thank you. I'm uh, really uh, impressed with your ministry and, and with what God has done in your life and the fact that he's always had that purpose for you and was willing to show his love for you and uh, saving your life and That's even when you were dead, once. keeping you alive. And, yes. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> taking all those things that, from the past and turning it for good because that's what God wants to do for all of us. Um, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can accept him right now. Just call out to him and say, Lord, I need you to save me. You know, set me free from this bondage that I am. That's right. And uh, Jesus will do that for you. And so I want to thank you all for, for watching today and uh, tune in for our next episode. And uh, really appreciate all of your support and prayer. 